AJ Jones. Hello, sir. Good morning to you. Um, evening. <laughs> well, it's... It's almost morning. Well, no, <laughs> so it's, late at night. It's 12.35 a.m. <gasps> it, it is morning. This is how much we love you, listeners. G- good morning, my love. <laughs> yes, I would like to say good morning after I slept. All right, I take it back. Let's talk about our crazy week, which will explain why we're up this late doing our podcast. Crazy, crazy week. It's probably been one of the busiest weeks I can remember. Yes. It's, I'm, there's not point, any point in counting when the last time we had a day off is. Oh, let's no. Just, no. Let's I don't just want to think like move that. along. No. <laughs> it's been amazing. That sounds it like has. martyrdom. Yeah. It's been absolutely tremendous fun. No, it's been amazing. We kicked off this week teaching sexual purity week at the school. Whoop, whoop. I love watching our students. Go for it. Stay with me as we go through what's possibly one of the most awkward weeks of teaching. I always start off saying, guys, there's no way of getting around this. We're going to talk about sex. And I'm realizing this may this week may sound like your parents trying to talk to you about having sex, which is awkward. But bless them, they stayed there. They did great. They did it. They did amazing. Mm-hmm. What else did we have this week? We went to the farmer's market on Saturday. Wow, way to jump from Monday straight through to Saturday. Well. <laughs> yes, we did. We went to the farmer's market. I try to avoid the farmer's market. Why? Because Lucy Rizzo's there. Yes, and? Lucy Rizzo has the most delicious food on the planet. She really does. It's so good. She makes this breakfast sandwich that yes. Gary Morgan will testify to when he gets to Nashville. We both both break our diets to eat her breakfast sandwich well that's the problem though they're so stinking good they're amazing you had one as well I'm just i know teach you to walk in the light i did i had they're one. handmade corn biscuits yeah so good right smothered in her homemade pimento cheese mm-hmm. with country ham and a boiled egg i'm getting hungry and we're not supposed to be eating cheese ham or grains corn. yeah i mean the whole thing is off limits, and yeah really. we're like just are the only serious? thing we're allowed to have is the egg it is the most delicious thing at the farmer's market, followed by her gluten-free muffins yes, and her limeade, which was absolutely delicious. But, we but have, you found some new friends. Yes, Franklin Juice has just gotten their juice truck up in Mobile, so it was at the uh, farmer's market. And what did you have? I had the cashew milk, and it was outstanding. Outstanding. Describe to me because haven't um, we talked about I can't remember how difficult it is makes. to milk cashews <laughs> because of their tiny nipples? <laughs> you need tiny little fingers. Um, I don't actually even know everything that's in it. Cashew, honey, cinnamon. I don't know. It's the goodness the of the list. Lord. It's, it's sprouted cashews. It's so good. It's got some raw honey. Mm-hmm. And then I don't remember anything else. Oh, that's very helpful. Thank you, darling. <laughs> yeah, I was um, 100% more. It, than you listed. It was so good. Our kids did a fun run this week. That was neither fun nor a run, as I seem to remember. Um, it was a run, though, because I ran two laps with Abby, and she actually ran. Oh. This is the first year I've actually seen her actually run. I posted a video this week of MJ playing football or soccer for you Americans in our back garden. And I thought, what have we, you know, how is this my son? He's outside. He likes kicking a ball. No, he more than likes. He loves being outside. He loves kicking a ball. He loves, I mean, he cries when you bring him back inside. He is my son. (laughs) And then we had our dear friend Samah Habib with us. We did. This week. Yes. We've talked about Samah before, but 
In a nutshell, Samah has one of the craziest stories ever. Mm-hmm. She was raised a Muslim in a Middle Eastern country. Devout Muslim, whole family Muslim. She met Jesus, gave her life to him, suffered incredible persecution mm-hmm. because of her faith to Jesus, which in and of itself would be an amazing story. But then her church was bombed by a terrorist attack, and she died, mm-hmm. went to heaven, met Jesus. He said, do you want to stay or do you want to go back? Mm-hmm. She said, I want to go back. She came back to earth. She said an interesting thing, actually, when she was giving her testimony. She said um, when she was with Jesus in heaven, she saw like a like a videotape of her life, you know, like just scenes flashing and whatever. Right. And, um, you know, she wanted to come back because her family wasn't saved yet. But the other thing she said is she realized in watching her life that she'd lived her whole life for her. And she wanted to go back and have a chance to live her life for Jesus. Wow. Which I was like, wow. So anyway. Yeah, that was that was incredible. Yeah. Amazing. Um we'll put a link to her book. If you haven't read her book, please read it. It's it's incredible. Put a link to that in the show notes. The big news of this week, of course, of which we are going to be talking about in the podcast, is that we had an incredible conference at Grey Center. Yes, we did. Why is everything in song this evening? I don't know. It's just the joy of the Lord? Yes, it's overwhelming, isn't it? So we had our Heaven Declares conference. <laughs> the lineup was supposed to be John Paul Jackson, Artie Kendall, and Bobby Connor. But poor John Paul got sick with conjunctivitis, highly infectious eye infection, couldn't leave the house. And I think his back went out too, so yeah. he couldn't leave the house. So sad. So we were, you know, praying that he would be there, but he didn't make it. But RT and Bobby, Chris, let's just say Chris McClarney and Jesse led leading worship was oh, amazing. They were amazing. Course. Both of them. Incredible Fantastic. worship. Yeah. And then Bobby and RT came. RT, for those of you who don't know, I'd imagine if you're from the UK, you'll know exactly who RT Kendall is. If mm-hmm. you're from America, um, it's likely you may be familiar with RT, but basically he's one of the most amazing theologians um, he is Oxford educated. He pastored a church in London called Westminster Chapel for about 20 odd years. Um, it's a block away from Buckingham Palace. But he just loves the word of God. He is going to be how old? 80. It's going to be 80? I think so. Oh, RT, if you're listening to this, I didn't age you, AJ did. Um, <laughs> but he's older than I am. <laughs> And yeah, he's just absolutely amazing. Bobby, for those of you who don't know who Bobby is, is the complete redneck. And I mean that in the most endearing fashion. He is so funny. He's a former Southern Baptist pastor. Yeah. Met the Holy Spirit. And he's a prophet and tells the most ridiculous stories I think I may have ever heard in my well, life. It's probably, it's probably more accurate to say he's a former like hooligan alcoholic who became a Baptist pastor who became a prophet. Because <laughs> some of his stories are like, ah, uh, and then he'll qualify. Well, this is before I met Jesus. Or this yeah, is before like, okay. like, okay, well, I feel slightly better about this very bizarre story. Last time he was at our church a couple of years ago, as he was leaving the church, he stopped and said to a young man who was at our church, he said, hey, you're going to hit a curve in the road, but everything's going to be okay. Don't let it worry you. And then a week later, this guy who was in his early 40s had a stroke and then was completely okay (laughs) so we were like oh you were on with that one yep but aj tell me rt and uh bobby top three things about bobby when he was here top three things about bobby he's so 
funny. Just amazingly funny. Right. He absolutely carries the joy of the Lord. Yeah. And engaging. And I mean, he's just, it's, he's not, you know, deluded about the world. He's just so positive. It's amazing. Um, His knowledge of the word is. Is number two? Yeah. Number two. Everything decently in order. Number two. Sorry. His, uh, His knowledge of the word is outstanding. I mean, he must have quoted from memory 30 or 40 verses. The took, first night. Oh, the first night, I don't know. The One of the other sessions he taught, I thought I'm going to write down every scripture that he quotes, mm-hmm. and I recorded 28 of them. Wow. I mean, just just amazing. And I guess number three would be, uh, I don't know if it would be his stories, which were awesome, but they'd also go under the funny of number one. Right. I, I love how uh, he engaged with people. Like he just sort of walk out, in the crowd and he'd stop and he'd make eye contact and he'd give somebody a word of encouragement or do whatever. And then he'd go back to his story and stuff. But he just, it kind of felt like having a dad there that was just loving on his kids and encouraging them to, you know, go further with the Lord. All right. On that note of telling stories and having that, tell me or tell our listeners the story of the first time you ever met Bobby in Toronto. Well, this is probably what, babe, eight or nine years ago, something like that. Yeah, I think so. And um, Alan and I were coming into a meeting. It was for the prophetic team or the ministry teams in the prophetic team or something. And it was with Bobby Connor and Paul Keith Davis that were in town for one of the conferences. And um, I'd never seen Bobby Connor before. And we sort of came in and it was starting. And so... Paul Keith and Bobby were sitting in the front row, you know, facing away from us. And we sat in the second or third row kind of behind them, didn't we? That's right. And um, anyway, when Bobby got up to speak, he turned around and I just was like, started twitching because he looked so much. So much like my dad. Now, let me start there. Did it he was look freaky. physically like your dad? Yeah. All yeah. right. So he looked like. I your mean, dad. other than he kind of spikes his hair, my dad combed it to the side. His eyes and everything looked the same. His like teeth and the way that he smiled were the same. The only thing that's different is his nose. I mean, even his ears looked the same and his hands and the way he would use his hands while he was talking was exactly like dad. Crazy. And, yeah, and, and his laugh, like when he would sort of laugh at his own jokes. Right. So I was like, I was like, I have to get out of here. I have to get out of here. And I remember saying to you, I need to go. Which and is I, funny because I'd never seen you, you know, I'd known you for, I don't know, a couple of years by then. And for all intents and purposes, you were quote unquote over the death of your father. As in there was no quote unquote residue. There was no issues per se. Never saw you grieving you know, it it was a very matter of fact thing because a lot of the grief you processed, et cetera, et cetera. So were you surprised by the reaction that you were having seeing Bobby? Um, I I would still say at that point I still thought about dad every day. Okay. You know, at some point. And certainly I would have a hard week around Father's Day and, and that kind of stuff. Um but I was surprised. But I mean, I'd never seen anybody that looked that much like okay, him. That so, makes sense. you know, you think about looking at somebody who was a dead loved one, you know, it's just, right. it was freaky. Okay, and, continue. And uh, so he, you know, spoke on whatever. I don't know. I barely made it through. And he stopped and prophesied over me about being a dreamer. Um, I don't remember exactly what he said, but I remember I couldn't make eye contact with him because it was just too painful. Right. 
And then uh, Paul Keith got up and spoke about something. And and uh, so I thought it was sort of wrapping up or heading into ministry time. And I was saying, you know, I, I want to go. And, and you, I mean, you were like, of course, babe, like if you need to go, you need to go. You know, I couldn't really, ex- I couldn't really explain what was going on. Um, and he stood up and he said, you know, I feel like the Lord is saying there's people here that are trapped in grief or something. I forget how he explained it, but he said, you know, you've lost um, close family members, but it's been many years and it's still affecting you and, you know, whatever. And ding, 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 ding. <laughs> and I just lost it, you know. So I started crying. There's two or three other people that stood up and um, he came over and prayed and then he like prayed for the other people and it's just real sweet and whatever. And, um, but as I was crying and just saying, you know, God, I just, it's still so hard. I mean, I still miss him. And the Lord said to me, what do you miss the most? And I said, God, I just miss his hugs. You know, I miss my dad's hugs. And, um, you know, then he, they moved on to a couple different other words and I just said, babe, I want to go. And, so we scooted out the side and went over to say goodbye to Stuart Lindley, who were at the front, but at the side, you know, kind of packing things up because people were kind of starting to move around and everything. And so we went up and just said, you know, I, we need to go and um, we'll see you later and whatever. And just as we were getting ready to leave, you know, Bobby had been praying for somebody in, on the front row and right. he stopped and he said, young lady, could you come over here? And so I stopped and I'm just thinking, God, I can't. You know, I can't take anymore. And he said, the Lord just told me to give you a hug. So I went over and he hugged me and I bawled. And and then I remember saying to him, because I, I felt so embarrassed. And I was like, I'm sorry. It's just that. And he said, I look like your father. And I was like, yeah. Oh. So God must have told him that. Oh. So then I, yeah. So this is the first time I've seen him since then. I mean, he had come to Gray Center in 09, but we were ministering in Norway, and I was so glad that we were gone. Right. Um, Even though John and Carol were in town for the same conference, I was so sad that we missed John and Carol, but I just was so glad to miss, um, you know, Bobby, because I just didn't, of drama. Think, I didn't think I could take it. So I did. I did cry the first night when he came in and whatever because I just I forgot how much he looks like him and then I sort of got over it. I actually would just concentrate on his nose because it looked nothing like my dad so I'd be like you're fine look at his nose it's not your father that's you a know? great look for a public speaker <laughs> so but he was I mean amazing so good oh he absolutely was hysterical outstanding and he's like a one man revelation machine he would just seriously. stand up and he would just it's not that he would just quote scripture, it's he would weave scripture into whatever he was saying. Right. And he's an amazing storyteller. Right. I, I mean, I need all the recordings just to be able to go back and right. listen, because you just, I was trying to keep, you know, um, I was trying to let my heart hear it, and then I'll right. process it later. Well, so. I posted something to Instagram, I try to take a picture, like I try to take notes of RT, which was really easy, because RT is methodical. And then I tried to take notes of Bobby, and he's so ADD that I was just like, and we're done here. <laughs> and there's a, there's a difference between the two of them. What, what was your favorite um, Bobby story? Um, well, before I tell you my favorite Bobby story, let me tell you what I loved about RT. Oh, yeah. Tell, three, tell us your top three things about RT. My top three favorite things about RT 
One would be, and I don't know how obvious this would be, I guess, but his sense of humor. Mm-hmm. I say that because, you know, we got to spend a, a, you know more time behind the scenes and watch him and Jeff's relationship where they've known each other for years. And just watching their verbal sparring is hysterical because, you know, Jeff and Artie are very quick-witted. And mm-hmm. Artie seems to love the British sense of humor. I mean, having, he lived there longer than I did. So this quick-witted banter was just awesome to watch. And you got a taste of that, you know, because you saw him and Jeff rib each other when they were speaking. But yeah, absolutely, his <laughs> impeccable sense of humor. And then, you know, you got this with everything he preached, but his love of God's word is amazing. You know, yeah, he, it really is. Uh, but not just, there's a real danger in evangelicism where we make loving the word of God an idol. So you have people who are more in love with the Word of God than the person, the Word of God. And Artie doesn't fall into that category. You know, he he is using the Bible to read the Bible, to love the Bible, but to apply it to his life. So just hearing his insights of what he does with the Bible and how he, you know, loves to read the Bible and the prayers that he prays daily was really, was really touching. I loved hearing that. And then the third thing... <clears throat> which isn't so much what he said, but I think comes down to who he is, is that he has lived really, really well. Mm -hmm. I know he's got a book coming out called It Ain't Over Till It's Over, but in terms of where he is in life and how he has stayed true to his call and how he hasn't had any moral failures and he hasn't screwed up and I just think is is rare and to be commended. Yeah. Plus, I'm going to throw in a bonus one. This is bonus number four. His ability to span the gap between charismatic people who hold him in high regard and evangelicals, some of who hold him in high regard, is amazing. That he can have the ears of both those groups of people and leaders in both those groups of people. Like Billy Graham has him out. James Dobson, you know, is his friend. And then uh, he was just speaking to Rick Joyner before and him and John Paul Jackson are great friends. I just, I think that's amazing that he can be understood and and love and connect with both these disparate groups in the body of Christ is amazing. It really is amazing. Yeah. He certainly crosses over the boundaries really well. All right. You tell me your favorite Bobby Connor story. It's hard to pick between all of the different stories he told. I certainly like the one you're going to talk about, but I think uh, I, I'm stuck somewhere between the one where he almost uh, blew up his town and, uh, the one where he was riding on a tricycle going 82 miles an hour being pulled behind a pickup truck. <laughs> and the one where he uh, was in that drama class and dropped or jumped off of the scaffolding at the top, having made some sort of a something out of rope and um, curtains to cushion his or slow down his fall. <laughs> right. So it sounds like, I mean, every story you tell, I would feel for his mother. Like I was like, oh my gosh, I'd be in trauma if my son was doing this. Well, well I would feel for that until he told the story about how him and his brother would shoot cigarettes out of their mouths with a twenty-two rifle. Mm-hmm. And his mom popped her head out and said, boy, stop doing that. You're wasting good shells. <laughs> Racing good ammunition. <laughs> um, you, you covered some great bases there. I think the story of, the classic story of Bobby uh, punching and knocking out a horse and being known for doing that, and then him wrestling a bear. And the bear winning. Had me in stitches. In fact, um, somebody tweeted, it was Jamie Lee Finch tweeted, the only thing more entertaining than Bobby Connor 
is watching Alan react to Bobby Connor because <laughs> I was probably on the floor at that point. Just, but the story he told this morning in first service, I've never heard anything about it like it. Oh, so funny! Basically, he—I won't go into details because I'm going to encourage you to go listen to it for yourself. But basically, he falls on top of a—I think it was a bandsaw—and splits his stomach open, and his entire contents of his gut fall out. All his guts, all his internal organs fall out. And the how he survived mm. in the care of his grandfather is beyond me. <laughs> that sounds trauma his and terrifying. Was away. Yeah, his mother yeah. was away rescuing Sorry. his blind niece. I mean, it's just the most yeah calamitous a collection yeah. of the most calamitous and dysfunctional um, situations you've ever heard of. But just absolutely amazing. Baby, do you have time to do some listeners' questions before we head to bed? Yes. All right. Philip asked this. I have a question about how you respond to a prophetic word you've received. How should you pray for an as yet unfulfilled promise? I've heard it said that you should declare to God his promises. But when I do that, I feel like I'm on the verge of trying to strong arm God into doing something. He hasn't forgotten and doesn't need my reminder, but neither do I want to sit passively waiting for it to happen. I'd love to hear your perspective on this. I mean, I th- I think... Because all prophecy is an invitation, you just say yes. You know, you keep saying yes. You say yes with your heart, yes with your lifestyle, yes with what you're spending your time, you know, preparing. So you prepare in the direction of the prophetic words and you just keep saying yes. And, uh, you know, you don't need to make it happen, but when the Lord starts opening doors and you can walk through them because your heart attitude has been yes. Yeah, and I would say don't despise the day of small beginnings. So if you have a prophetic word about you... um being a great preacher, but you're not getting any invitations to preach in greatness, but you do get an invitation to speak to Sunday school class, no matter how embryonic the offer, if it's in line with what your prophetic words are saying, take them, you know, so where you want to grow. And uh, I would say that. But the other thing is, the thing that predates both any of those things is, Scripture says that you're to test prophetic words and you're to weigh prophetic words. So I'd be testing them and weighing them. But assuming that you've tested them and you've weighed them, you think they're the Lord. I love writing out my prophetic words and praying them back to the Lord. Because what that does is it doesn't strong arm God into anything. It actually prepares your heart for something. You begin to change the way you think about who you are and and you come into alignment with what God's saying. Yeah. So I think it's very important to believe what God's saying and then take baby steps towards um, that destiny. I remember once at one point in time um, when Chris Valentin was in town, he said something about, you know, he get, he gave me a prophetic word about something and um, I said to him, well, I'm not walking in that yet. And he said, yes, that's because you haven't agreed with God about it yet. Right. So. Yeah. Um, Philip, if you want a more detailed answer to that, or if anybody else wants a more detailed answer to that, we have a five CD box set teaching, or you can just download them in MP3 format on our website. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um to a whole host about things about prophetic ministry, but I'll single out the teaching that talks about um, how you handle prophetic words. All right, babe, do you have a question? Whoop, whoop. Do you want me to read this question? Sure. So this question is from Danielle Holtz, and it says, uh, Hi, Alan and AJ. Last year I heard AJ give a talk at Emanate about Halloween. Before... Uh, you run away from the computer because you received so many negative emails concerning this topic. I want to assure you that I took a lot from this talk. Uh, To say I was convinced would be an understatement. I actually thought 
about this topic a lot over the past year. One thing that really hit me was the verse AJ read that was something along the lines of do not do anything uh do sorry, do not have anything to do with anything that even appears to be evil. Um I think you're referring to uh, avoid all appearance of evil. Um do you know what verse that is, babe? Avoid I, all appearance of evil. I do, but finish the question. Okay. Um so we are approaching Halloween and my good friend invited me to a bonfire and said to dress up. I was recently told that a bonfire originated from something known as a bone fire. Uh, anyway, I was wondering how I can apply this talk to my life, but also not become legalistic about it. I would love to attend my friend's get-together, but I don't really want to dress up, nor do I want to celebrate anything pertaining to Halloween. Any advice? Well. First of all, we don't get a lot of negative emails about your Halloween talk. No, what, I think probably what you're referring to is the first year I posted something about it on yeah, on right. Facebook, I got so many comments of people that were had very interesting views. The thing is, <laughs> I don't want to be known for being the people who are against Halloween. I'm against Halloween. Yeah. That's not my issue. My issue, that's not our life message. That's not no. the thing we concern it's ourselves really with. It's really far from our life. You right. know, it's That's one day a year, folks. But. Right, and it's not something we even, you know... Anyway, yeah. however, to your question. To your question. Uh, what I mean, saith thee? Well, I don't know. Is the bonfire actually on Halloween? Is it, you know, um, I, I mean, for for myself, I'm, I wouldn't go to anything that was on Halloween and dress up just because I, I understand what that day is about. And even though, you know, my heart is not participating in it. It's, I, it's just too important to me that I that it's clear that I don't support it, if that makes sense. But um, I also don't think that God wants you tied up in knots and religious about it either. Right. I would ask the Holy Spirit the same question you asked us and just let the peace of God rule your heart. You know, and I mean, if, if you want to go or if it's not on Halloween and, you, you know, whatever... You can always you can go to anything and say you don't want to dress up. You know you're allowed to have boundaries and decide what you want to do um, for anything. So, yeah. Anyway, um, last question, Brandy Essis. Um, it's been coming up a lot uh, through Heaven declares that perhaps we're sometimes too familiar with God. I'm having a hard time reconciling the fear of the Lord with what I have experienced His love to be like. How can I walk in intimacy with someone that I'm afraid of? If he's not angry with me because Jesus paid for my sin, then why should I be afraid of him? Brilliant question. Very good question. Plural. Very good question, Brandy. Um, I, I mean, I would start by saying my understanding of the fear of the Lord has always been more of a reverence and awe than a terror. Um, so it's more of a like, oh, he's amazing and he's holy and um, and it inspires you towards right relationship rather than a terror of God, if that makes sense. Um, what's your thoughts, babe? Well, I, I, I mostly agree with that, but I think, you know, you read in Revelation where John the Beloved, so the disciple who's closest to Jesus, sees Jesus, you know, in his glory, he falls down like a dead man. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, again, I don't think that's... F- I do think there's an element of, yeah, of course there's awe and reverential fear. But I think the question perhaps is more to do with 
people being too familiar with God. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about that earlier, and I was thinking, so, for example, I've noticed that the people who are over-familiar with me don't have the relationship with me to be operating at the level at which they're operating. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I remember, um, so Josh Parsons and I goof off a lot at, at work. We've got similar sort of sense of humor, and we'll make jokes and comments and, you know, often at each other's expense. And there's this real rapport going back and forth. And I love it. And it's really amazing. But that's born out of us having walked together for many, many years, having a real mutual love and respect for one another. And we're the reason it's funny is we're playing off as if that love and mutual respect wasn't there. Right. And so I've had people come up who I don't have any relationship with. Maybe I've not even talked to them. And and lob a joke at me like Josh would, but we actually don't have any relationship. And so they're being too familiar with me. And it's not that what they're saying is anything different from Josh, but they don't actually have the history with me to be making that sort of... Right. So I see... Relationship. Yeah, Christians, and I would say it's not too... It's Of course, they're all familiar, but they're walking in presumption rather than in relationship. And I think by the very fact you asked that question, Brandy, gives me a sense of confidence that that's not something you're going to fall into. I think the trick to remember is that Jesus is our leader, that we're following Jesus. Anytime that we're leading him, I would say we've absolutely stepped into error and we've become too you know, over-familiar. But there's a, a sense that you, um, you know, Scripture, um, the Lord said, this is the one I esteem. And uh, he lists off a whole load of things. Um, and one of them is that he that trembles at my word. And so there's an element where, you know, you have a real honor for the Lord. And the reason that you are doing things isn't out of a religious nod and oh, I have to do this, but it's out of a genuine love to please the Lord. It's motivated by love. It's certainly not motivated by fear. But you understand, I have this rich relationship with you, Lord. I don't want to do anything to damage it. Um, and so as a result of that love, you start making lifestyle choices that reflect that. Mm-hmm. And I think where we get into danger, where we're like, eh, God doesn't care. He's somehow indifferent to my sin and so right. I can do whatever I want. I, I think at that point you're missing the fear of the Lord in your life. Right. And you're, you've you're moved sliding into, into that greasy grace thing, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. Does that make sense? I think too in the end, Brandy, you know, um, what I kept thinking about all weekend was John 3. Uh, 16 and 17. So which, you know, again, most of us probably know that off the top of our head, but for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. And so I just, I think too, like keeping in mind God's motivation in his love for you, he has so much love for you that he would actually trade his son for you. And so um, I, I guess I don't have a hard time with the fear of the Lord and the love of God being in balance with one another. So m- maybe some of it is just saying, Lord, can you show me how to understand that in its balance? Ta-da. Ta-da. That's not bad, for, given the fact it's 1 a.m. in the morning. And we're making up answers as we go along. It's just craziness. You know the other thing we completely forgot to mention, babe? What did we forget to mention? What did we announce at the conference that we were so super excited (gasps) by? Uh, See, now I wish we had theme music. 
<laughs> we need theme music. Wait, I'll do. No, I'll do, no, no. Stop. I'll do some pitter padding. Ready? Uh, ready? And what are announced. you doing? <laughs> <laughs> trying to do a drum roll okay stop okay. this is horrible um we announced that we are after much prayer and discussion and planning we are launching year two of the school of supernatural life <laughs> <laughs> women can't do sound effects that was my crowd and it is going to be open to everybody who has graduated from first year <laughs> so if you are one of our alumni we love you and we miss you and if you would like to come back for year two come you can read all about it at the School of Supernatural Life dot org. <laughs> Here's what we're going to do. Here's our closing thoughts. We're wrapping this thing up. Is we would really encourage you to um, grab the MP3s from the Heaven Declares Conference. Yes. I'll put a link in the show notes. You can sure. uh, you can buy them. They're a dollar ninety nine each. If you want a sample, by all means, go to Grace Nurse Podcast and listen to Bobby Connor speaking um, at the first and second service, and you'll get an idea uh, of just what you're in for. But really encourage you to pick those up. Um, we're excited about this week with Dan Farrelly all the way from uh, Redding, California. We picked him up at the airport tonight, uh, fed so the man pizza, good. and he's teaching at the school this week, <laughs> so we're excited about being with him. Until next week, we will see you later. See you later. <laughs>